microphones. We're talking movies. We're it's talking been a movies. Why well, left? I left the country. You tried to get away. One step ahead of the tax man, always. You, you tried to get away. I we tried found to get you. away. I came back. I came back. The California, the the yeah. ten freeway was on fire, and it was time <laughs> to return. Light up the bad signal so I can come here and complain. There you go. That's right. That's what I do. That's what I do. I complain. Complain about movies. Complain about people. Complain about, um, I don't know, that I don't have more money, that my enemies are thriving. Uh, I mean, that's that's yeah, what I complain are, about. That's what I complain about. concerns. Uh, but how are you doing, Kyle? I'm good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm good, generally. Glad to hear that. I mean, you see yeah. a lot of movies. I have been seeing a lot of movies. You're, a movie, you're, you're the true cinephile. You're the up-to-date <laughs> cinephile. Well, well, you guys, you it's know. funny. We, we had a little gathering the other night, and you guys were playing some movie game, and I, I wouldn't participate because it would just reveal the, my lack of cinephilia. The game was well, called Cinephile. It was called Cinephile, and I didn't want to be outed. Honest, no, I didn't honestly, want to be outed as a non-cinephile. You know, we had somebody there who was not a cinephile, and probably less of a cinephile than you, and she was playing. She was playing. I didn't want to admit that I couldn't name any movies off the top of my head with Treat Williams in it. I felt <laughs> I like that couldn't was, either, I felt though. like that was going to be... Other than the Phantom that was already used. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I, I mean, I like Treat Williams' name. I think I that, that's it's a top-tier actor name. I know some, like, Treat. really bad movies with him, but I couldn't name other movies, like, because uh, you have to be able to name another I, person you know what, I just learned. Game. I just learned, I was listening to a great episode of uh, QAA. QAnon Anonymous, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah. And apparently the <laughs> Taylor Swift's like, publicity manager is named Tree Payne. <laughs> and a lot of conspiracy <laughs> theories around Taylor Swift revolve around uh, the evils done by this person, Tree Payne, who sounds like uh, some sort of a cartoon character. I mean, I mean, same with, uh, I was just doing a podcast on the Coen Brothers. Um, I, I guessed it on somebody's podcast. And uh, T-Bone Burnett does T-Bone, music. Yeah, T-Bone Burnett, <laughs> who does not look like t- a T-Bone. I'll just say, when you see T, have you ever seen T-Bone yeah. Burnett? Yeah. T-Bone Burnett looks like he should be named like Roger Jones. <laughs> right? Which probably, I, think, I don't know what his real name is. I don't think his mom, I don't think T-Bone is, is the name his on name? his no. birth certificate. Not at all. But uh, in any case, we're talking about a movie. We're talking about the killer. I actually, oh, okay. We're talking okay, about the killer. I saw the killer. I saw the killer. Yeah, because you, you gave me some options. And so I took the path of least resistance because the killer can be seen on the Netflix now. On Netflix. So yeah. if you have Netflix, if you're one of the few people in this world that has a Netflix <laughs> subscription, now that you can't steal it anymore, mm-hmm. now they made it harder to steal it or harder to share it, uh, that's what we're talking about. Great. I'm glad you chose this movie. Because it's the latest film by David Fincher. I loved it. You love this movie. I, I love, love that you it. love this movie. <laughs> I love that you love this movie. I think it's in my top five Fincher movies okay. of all time. Okay. Which is a hard. You know, he's only made like, what, 13 movies. So it's. Okay. So uh, I want to talk about you loving this movie. Yes. I think it's. I think it's. I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm not going to say what I thought about the movie yet. Because yeah. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so. Why did you love this movie? Or what, 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 so, so what was your like gut feeling of like, this movie is great. It's hilarious. It's okay, one so of the funniest movies that this I think good. I've, I've seen this year. 
Um, uh, and and nobody talks about Fincher being really funny because uh, uh, obviously you know you think of Seven, you think of Zodiac, you think of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Like these are serious thrillers. Uh, although I will say, I think I think the Social Network is in many ways quite a funny. Oh, movie. I, I think the game is a comedy. I think yes. Uh, I think Fight Club is a comedy. It's a mocking comedy yeah. on that culture. He, he's he's, and he's ma- got masculinity. A, he's, he's got a dark sense of a dark and scabrous sense of humor. Like our pitch fr- black. our friend uh, David Fincher, yeah, and um, yeah, because it, it's interesting you say that. I'm glad you say you thought it was funny because I I didn't know what to expect from this movie. I I'm I was blessed as I tried to be, knowing very little about yeah. this movie. Yeah. I, I like to know nothing. I think it's more interesting if I know nothing. Obviously, with Fincher, you have certain things baked in. This yes. is very much a yeah. David Fincher movie, stem to stern. I mean, I mean, it it it's stylish, it's, it's gorgeous, shot, shot for shot, perfect. It's meti- always yeah, looks meti- great. There's no, there's looks no great. missing element. I, to I that. would say that his collaboration with uh, with uh, Trent Reznor is one of the best sort Absolutely. of filmmaker musician um, collaborations going. Reznor, I, I've always I've always been a little mixed on Nine Inch Nails as a project. They're but, mixed in general, but, but yeah. But I think that it, I think that Reznor has sort of taken on this like Philip Glass like role of just being someone who can just make this music that is very atmospheric. Where, however, you think about the music like on its own, yeah, yeah, like yeah, as yeah. a listening experience, kind of solely as a uh, ambient layer of mood setting. Yes, yeah. him and Fincher are a, an absolute. Just perfect yeah. match. Yeah. Just perfect match. Works very well together. Yeah, I think on a technical level, this is... I mean, you could almost say it's Fincher kind of taking it back to basics after doing, like, the expansive production design of, say, uh, of Mank. You know, it was huge. It was a huge production. Yeah. And, or, or, or if it wasn't, it it tried to look that way. Well, it was, like he it was, was doing more stylistic, you know. Yeah, throwback to the, yeah, yeah. the production of the, of the 1930s, early 1940s. And uh, there's a grandeur. There's like an operatic grandeur yeah. to it, uh, much in the same, you know, of the subject matter that it's tackling. Not only of Citizen Kane, but Orson Welles and then Charles uh, and then uh, uh, William Randolph Hearst and all, yeah. all of that. Um, I found this kind of almost coming back to basics. Yes, yes. And with that, no one's better. Like you can see but how how he's operating on such a refined level that it's it's kind of insane. But what's funny is the, the at least for me, the level of basicness of it. I guess I would uh-huh. say is part of the joke. It is. It is. It's yeah. such and it's such a weird joke. Now, I, I watched the movie, and my first thought is, what is this movie? Yeah. And the word that came to mind is, I think it's a satire. It is. I think yes. this movie is a satire. 100% a satire. Which is not what I expected. It's a political satire. Okay, in, okay, say more, say more. Say more. So, okay, so we're following a for-hire, for-profit killer. And he's bored. He's bored all the time. He talks to himself. Well, not only is he bored, but he's boring. He's boring. <laughs> he's yes, boring. but but he's he, uh, but yes, he, he's he keeps on. I mean, most of the words, spoken words in this movie are him in voiceover, just uttering like contentless non sequitur nonsense. Yeah, just like, just like what is it? What is the one he keeps saying? Uh, 
Don't improvise. It, anticipate. Uh, anticipate. It's just like it's just like the kind of <laughs> shit that a football coach would have on a poster. Yes. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, it's really like and, at that level. And then underscored by constantly saying, uh, "Plan. Uh, don't improvise. Plan. Anticipate." And he's fucking up the entire movie, <laughs> which I I just I I found such delicious joy in this movie. It's a uh, and it's the most political I've seen uh, Fincher get because. No, you juxtapose the experience of an assassin, a for hire, a workman, and he's in WeWork. He's using Postmates. He's using <laughs> Amazon uh, Prime in order to like utilize the twenty four hour uh, constant workflow. You know, corporatism of America. He has a FedEx package delivered just so he just can, so he can get he into can the get building. <laughs> And it's honestly, it's it, the, his tired mentality, his boring nature, even though he's doing this job, he is us. Like he is us and whoever we're all working and we're constantly working. Even now, like even if I'm at home, even if I'm working at home, I'm constantly at uh, the expense of somebody else and they can call on me whenever through Slack or through text. And it's it even though I have certain hours. It's just constant. And I felt you can feel that oppression of the work <laughs> culture on him. But as he is represented, and it's cold, it's callous, it's empty. Uh, like, and, and the big joke is that uh, is that he's 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 all of us, really. Yeah, well, and not only that, but this need to philosophize mm-hmm. or some in a way that will somehow ennoble yes. your shitty job. Yeah. Right? We used to have this, in where I work, we used to have this, like, internal social network, which they got rid of probably because, I don't know if people did dumb shit on it or it was just yeah. a liability. But it was kind of like an internal Facebook or Twitter. I mean, it really looked like Twitter more than anything. But you could just post things. And people would post pictures and they'd post a little anecdote. But there was one guy who actually knew this dude. Uh, which is weird. It's an enormous corporation I work for. And I knew this dude. He's a guy who started at the same time as me doing the same job as me. And he would always post selfies of himself with just insane, like, like rise and grind style affirmations. <laughs> like, I'm out here. I'm out here. My favorite one, he posted one time, out here doing my thing, stealth mode. He said stealth mode. Stealth and mode. I, I mean, I, wor- I, you know, I work uh, at the airport out on, you know, out on the apron. And, like, I read that and I said, Brother, you do not want to go stealth mode. You're going to get your ass hit by a belt loader. You want to be high vis. <laughs> you, know, you want. You don't want. The last thing you want to do is be stealthy. But it was just he said stealth mode because it sounded badass, not because it actually had anything to do with no, his it had job. No meaning. It was no the, meaning. It was the polar opposite of what he wanted to do. Yeah. You never want to be stealth mode. Yeah. That's you know that's when that's when you know yeah like I said that's when you get hit. Yeah. You know that's yes. why I have to wear neon green. Hundred percent. Right in my job. But it was just this this sort of and you see this on social media all the time, right? I mean the platitudes that this guy I don't think he has a name. I think he is the killer. He he He's presents like seventeen yeah. different. Um, they're all movie reference. Well, they're TV references. I know. I know because the one I that's caught the are. one that was the most obvious that I caught was Sam Malone, which yeah. is the the uh, main Cheers, character from yeah. Cheers. But uh, anyways. He, he, these are things that could come straight off of a Facebook post or a Twitter post where you're just doing some inspirational bullshit and it ends with like a picture of nothing, right? Yes. A picture, yeah. a picture that is, you know, these, these, these phrases that are kind of everything and nothing that just kind of evoke whatever you want them to evoke and have 
some fake sense of gravity, right? Yeah. Or some fake sense of meaning. Absolutely. That's why it's so funny when he tosses off the do with that wilt and he can't remember who said that. Of course, it's <laughs> Alistair Crowley who said that, <laughs> right? But it's just, it's just this, it's just, I, I do feel like it, I do feel like he's not only a representation of us as workers, but he's a representation of our consciousness is this just kind of endless sort of loop of platitude. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That you run through your mind to justify getting out of bed in the morning and, and like, oh, I got to fucking go do this thing. I don't yeah, want to do it anymore. It's the constant uh, re-motivation, re-contextualizing for the event or for the day, trying to... Uh, orient oneself and Michael Fassbender. This is not a performance that like gets awards, but he's he's insanely good. He's the this. straightest of straight men. Yes. he literally he literally does nothing. It's so detached and dry, and yet just playing it like right down the middle. It is an impressive feat. Uh, it it really is one of those under underappreciated kind of roles because he is doing su- such great work. I think one of the, I was talking about this. I saw it. I happened to go to a theater to see it a couple weeks ago, and David Gutierrez was in the row behind me, like just randomly. And so he came and sat next to me. And we talked a little bit about it. And he said one of the things he preferred was that the motivation wasn't so stri- uh, strikingly personal. That you know they go after they go to his home. And they attack his girlfriend. She's in the hospital. Is she even his girlfriend? Well, that's what I was. Say- <laughs> that's what I said to David. I said, David, this guy was gonna go on a killing rampage, no matter who that was. We don't know who this person is. We don't know their connection. We don't know the motivation. He is just going to do this. And so this, there's a multi-layered commentary here. It's about the our current society. It's about the this character study, who's like this a demented uh, perfectionist who's not a perfectionist. Like he keeps talking about, he trains and he, and he works out and then here, and then he, that he needs his protein and there he is eating McDonald's and uh, you know, quoting things for himself. I think it's such a sad loser of a character, but, and it's meant to kind of subvert and make a commentary back at the people who love these kinds of yeah, movies. Yeah, I know. I mean, it is a little Michael Haneke, right? Yes, it's a little, absolutely. It's, but which is funny coming from Fincher, right? Because, I do. Uh, but it's, it is a little, because, I mean, basically you take a character that may, you know, is clearly a send up of Liam Neeson in the Taken movies yes. and John, yeah. and kind of John Wick. He's like part John Wick and part Liam Neeson. And, he makes those characters look like Hamlet by comparison, yes. right? He's yeah. just, he is totally vacant. The relationship that drives him on this terror of vengeance is, is never illuminated. And it's with a character who is not a character. No. She has like two or three lines. No. I mean, she just, she could be anyway. What is she, a surrogate daughter? Is yeah. she a girlfriend? Is she a lover? Who knows? Yes. It uh, The point is that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's, it's, it doesn't someone. matter. It's hilarious. He's avenging someone, <laughs> some person. I just like he looks at her brother. Like who? Who knows? Like what the relationship? But he said he's like that's my sister, and he puts his hand on him, and he's like this. This will never happen again. And what's eerie about yeah, it? Yeah, I've got a set of skills. Yeah, I've got a, got, I've got of a skills. set of skills. What's There's eerie about it is the vacant expression. Yes. He cares not about this person or that person. It's now just given him a reason, a motivation, a purpose to go utilize his skill, which is just 
killing people. And kill people he does in the most brutal and savage and nasty of ways that is so cold and disconnected that... And, and and by the way, done in a way where I think people, if you find it cool, if you think that this is really awesome, then you've missed the point. Like, this guy is not the hero, and he is representative of something really curdled in our in our yeah. way way to to make money off of the most uh, base uh, primal okay. of circumstances. Okay, so, so, so I like this. So then here's the big question, right, that the movie asks us is how, how do you interpret the fact that the one person he doesn't kill is the person who's ultimately responsible for all his problems? Yes, yeah, I know. Well, what is that about? What is, the, what is that whole sequence about? Because that's the most curious and intriguing character moment. Yeah. He neglects to kill or he chooses not to kill, and he certainly could. The person who is the mastermind, right? The one you'd think he'd want to kill the most. In any other movie like this, killing him would be the big deal or getting yeah. killed by him. And, of course, part of what's funny about that scene is that that is the scene where he's the least under threat. So it's a great anticlimax, right? Yes. It's yeah. not a boss fight. No. This is not John Wick. This is not the big boss at the end who's going to give him the biggest fight. This guy won't fight back at all. Mm-hmm. He could waste him if he wants to because he has to go through this escalating series of, of people who are going to try to kill him, yeah. right? There's two the two assassins who both will kill him yeah. and, and are ready to kill him. Yeah. Uh, but then he gets to the final boss, and it's there's no fight. There's no possibility of a fight. He could kill the guy, no question, and he chooses not to. Yeah. So what do we make of that? Well, you could interpret it in a lot of ways. I think it's meant for interpretation. I mean, I think it's meant for discussion. Because he kills, he kills even um, pseudo-innocent people. Yeah, he kills a cab driver, cab right? Driver. He absolutely does not need to kill, Just right? Does not need to kill. He's seen him, so maybe that's part of the you know the motivation. It's like, oh, leave no witnesses. But he never really overtly states it. And he kills these other assassins um, partially because I think it was a, a code. You know, it's, it's like if you come after an assassin, uh, be prepared for the consequence. So much in the same way, if he went after an assassin and they and he messed up, then they'd probably likely come after him. I, I think that there is a, a rule set here that he's you know following. Well, it's a, but it's a, that's also the funny send up. I mean, yeah. there's clear. I mean, the movie that this it really is the John Wick movies that this most obviously oh, yeah. sends up to, yeah. right down to like the index cards, which are very yes. like yeah. could be something out of John Wick, yeah. right? And this sort of cryptic like guy who's the hub of all of it and you don't even really understand who he is or why. Yes. It's just like if you took all this sort of sexy cultural kind of pastiche that uh that is in the John Wick movies mm-hmm. and you just like but you took that same idea of like yeah, there's a bunch of assassins. What are they doing? Who knows? What? Why do they do it? Who knows? Yeah, uh, they're all connected through this one guy. Who's this guy? Uh, somebody. Who knows? Right? It's, yeah, they're he's taking, just some weird dude. Yeah, they're taking almost like the blood, uh, the blood of like John Wick's or any sort of vengeance movie or any sort of assassin movie where you're following that kind of character and uh, like the expert at killing, and they're kind of like taking that and distilling it to a, a ridiculous abstract like kind of character. And so I guess if you follow it in that way, the end is just him maybe proving a point, like proving a point to a future employer to be like, Hey, look, I can do this. I can get to you. Um, but it is kind of, he's, 
proving an essence of his of yeah. his work workmanlike I, I mean, qualities. I mean, yes, one reading of it is that he leaves the guy alive because that guy is more useful to him alive, right? Because Absolutely. he because he will be afraid of him, right? And having someone powerful who's afraid of him will have more protective power to him than having him, yeah. you know, having yeah. him dead. But but the key line in that scene, right, is where he says, like you you didn't immediately assume that I was here to kill. He doesn't say quite these words, but it's like, you, you didn't know why I was here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something important about that to him. Like when he get, when he shows up to kill the assassins, they all know he's there to kill him. Yeah. And, the, and, and their only answer is to try to kill him back. Yeah. Right. That's it. Like one of us is going to die in this exchange. And they both in their own ways manifest that. Right. Yeah. One in a direct fight, one in an attempt to sort of, uh, trick and seduce or not really seduce eh, kind of seduce like intellectually seduce the tilda swinton scene is a little more nuanced obviously than the yeah the fight yeah. the fight with the other dude but she still tries to kill him she still mm-hmm. she still has her a plan right to to try to kill him because that's it with the assassins there's it's like with the assassins there's no other option right you the, either you kill them or they kill you with this this businessman he has some other play it yeah. seems that he thinks but it is significant that like he looks at this guy and he sees, well, well, you're not, you're something else, mm-hmm. right? You're a different kind of thing, in a sense. You're not, maybe in a sense like you're not a worker, right? I, mean, I guess you could also say that making him live with the fear that at any point this guy might show up as like a boogeyman is itself some sort of a punishment. could be, yeah. But I just thought that was very intriguing, right? That he would that he would build up to this tremendous anticlimax, right? Which yeah. is the exact opposite of what any other movie in this genre would do. Yeah, I, it leaves you with um, a sinking feeling, like an emptiness to it all, like that that this whole onslaught, this this brutality, this savagery that he does, doesn't amount to any sort of uh, statement. Like and so I think that maybe that is in itself a statement that that he he builds it up to allow for his own little personal satisfaction. Which, by the way, I think the movie hints that he has uh, he, he sits in this kind of idyllic peace and is his brain is is going you know, this constant incessant monologuing that's in his head and thoughts that we are we are granted, and he fidgets. At the the last moment, when well, he movie. says he's a normal guy, right? I mean, yeah. that's the the button in the movie is that yeah, I'm just one of the many. I'm not one of the few. Yeah, and he fidgets, but that that shows that the, there is no peace of mind here. That he's that 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 it's, it's either something on the back, you know, in the back of his brain, you know, a worry. I don't know if it's that. I think it's just he's he's a killer, and that's what he's going to do, and he won't be satisfied until he just keeps going and going and going and there's no peace like he is a con that that that's been instilled in his brain to always work and his work is to kill yeah maybe i don't know i don't know how to read that lat i think that part of the strength of the movie is that i think there's a lot of ambiguity i like it yeah i think i think i think it's very interesting that at the end like the movie does the exact opposite in every way of what you'd think because the end rather than bringing some sort of closure or clarity a final conflict that will sort of you know like you you think of the end of the last John Wick movie where he has to fight his way up those stairs and fight his way to the duel it's like that's exactly how you expect the movie to end right with this sort of great climactic battle which the struggle kind of, 
which kind of which kind of is about everything that the movie's been about or all the movies have been about and kind of resolves everything. And the movie in the end of this movie just explodes into this this very interesting set of ambiguities. Yeah. About what why he doesn't kill the guy and who he is at the end of the movie and whether he has or hasn't changed. Yeah. I don't think the movie gives you any real clear answer to either of those no, questions. No. No. Uh and, and I think that um, in a in a way, it it accords with the kind of personal and political interpretation that you're you're driving at, which is this sense that nothing ever really gets resolved. No, no, right? Nothing ever really is satisfying in the way that movies tell us things will be satisfying. Like you get up and you do your job, and you get up and you do your job, or maybe you quit your job, maybe you get another job. Maybe you're homeless. Mm-hmm. Maybe you commit crimes and go to prison. And maybe you get married. Maybe you get divorced. Uh, you live your life uh, and then you die. And what does it mean? Who knows, right? It means whatever you say it means right now. And you can, and, and, and you can put this gloss on it. But oftentimes it's just complete bullshit, right? Yeah. You're just telling yourself this complete bullshit story <laughs> where you just repeat inane platitudes, you know, rise and grind, uh, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. Plan, right? don't improvise. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. All that matters is that the words have like sufficient motivation or that, that they just sound like they're about something yeah right yeah. they sound like they're about something i mean how many times have you been talking to someone i mean this happened to me today where, where someone said something i was like that just sounds like some words that you heard someone else say mm-hmm. that you are now repeating as a justification for living as you live or you know to explain why you want why you're going to do the thing that you're going to do because you don't just want to say well that's just what i do mm-hmm. it needs to have some motivation some content some sort of philosophical underpinning right i think that there's a lot of that going around and i think something like the internet has only made that worse right because we're inundated it's funny because you know people talk about how we read less but the truth is we read more now we're inundated no, with words true. we're inundated yeah. with words I was having this conversation with my wife the other day where I said, you know, because I've been reading Twitter lately because of the crazy shit that's happening in the world. And I I hadn't looked at Twitter for a long time. And I realized, you know, what someone is trying to do in a tweet is the exact same thing as what on some levels, what someone's trying to do in a book. And so you have to think for yourself, like when someone tries, if that's the space with which someone is trying to convey to you an idea, Mm -hmm. right? If that's the, the time and the space and the energy that you're taking, you're just going to read one after another after another. Like, what's that going to do to your brain? Yeah. And what does that do to human communication? Because, you know, I've quoted this, you know, or I've paraphrased this Martin Amos idea before, but, you know, when Martin Amos would say, like, well, people would ask him, what's the book about? I said, well, the book's the book. Like, if you want to know, you have to read it. Sure. If I could have said it any more quickly, I would have said it. Well, what are the kind of ideas that you have to convey in a book versus the kind of idea that you're conveying in a tweet, right? Yeah. Like, and, and how does that sort of structure your mind, right? So I think that we're looking at this character whose mind is structured by these platitudes, right? Yeah, yeah. These yeah. platitudes that are clearly just the last bit of ballast he has to keep him from completely 
knuckling under. Yeah. Right? Yes. Because yeah. he wants to knuckle under. He can't, I mean, you're right, because one of the funniest things, and this is a tell, there's so many tells early on, right? Like, he's dozing off. This perfect assassin is dozing off, right? Yeah, like, can't asleep. stay awake. Yeah. He's dozing off. He's annoyed. He doesn't want to be there. His target won't show up. And when someone actually comes to, you know, to the WeWork to deliver some mail, he doesn't know. He hears them coming in. He's freaked out. And you've been listening to him say, like, over the over this voiceover, uh, do this, don't do that, eat cheese, whatever. It doesn't matter. But he's saying <laughs> in this very monotone thing. And then this moment he's confronted with someone coming in that he doesn't expect, he's like, fuck. You know, so you see this moment of real, actual fear and emotion juxtaposed against just the absolutely anesthetized drone of the yes. voiceover yeah, yeah. repeating the platitudes, which is just meant to be, I so I interpret the loop of thoughts in his head that spins round and, and around, around and, and around, around. Yeah. Right. Because because you would, it would have to, right. In order to get any sense of life and continuation and to be awake in, 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 in the most, I think minimal of ways. He, he, as you said, he's dozing off, he's bored, he's boring. And, uh, he has to constantly have these thoughts in order to, in, invest in something yeah. and it's the great use of narration or or inner monologue that he used in say fight club you know another movie that has a hidden not a hidden commentary but a commentary that's been misinterpreted um even years later by you know film bros and other people who think that the movie is cool in some sort of way yeah i mean how many people really think that i mean it's i've met because, some because these these movies are very, the fight club is the closest in my opinion uh, of his movies to this movie. Yes, very close. Because it's about yeah. sad men who are alienated. Yeah. Right? And instead of... And the difference, and maybe this is... Tell, I think this is actually telling uh, in terms of the time we live in. Because he doesn't talk about social media, but the sort of platitudinous nature of it seems to me to hang over this it's, movie. It, it does hang over this so movie. So instead of trying to pacify yourself with products, right, which is what um, the Edward Norton character starts with doing and then Tyler Durden is eventually the rebellion against that, the internal rebellion against that. This guy's pacifying himself with memes. Yeah. I mean, that's what they are. They're just, they're memes that run through his mind. They are distillations of thoughts and arguments and statistics that he just kind of mouths off and says to himself. it's, It's just some shit you read in a post. Yeah. Right. That's what it is. And so to me, that's very au courant. (laughs) <laughs> right in terms of what how kind of the world is represented to us and consequently how we represent the world to ourselves in our own mind yeah right so i i agree with you i think that this is um it is a satire it is funny uh, maybe not laugh out loud funny no but, it's a but different it, but kind it, of but humor, it but yeah. it is but it is funny and it's clever and i do love the ambiguity yeah. that it ends with this is this is about as funny as say Gone Girl. Gone Girl is like a romantic comedy yeah. if you like really look at it in that kind of sphere. Um, and I, or again, the, or, the, or, the, or the great buddy movie, The Game, right? The this game, is yeah. about Fincher yes. movies. I yes. mean, that's. I what, think he's what, funny. What a, tell, what a telling movie about friendship the game ultimately is. I think I was threatened to do the game for you. I, <laughs> with with your impending nuptials, maybe this is finally the time to do <laughs> the time to, to do the game to, to you. put me through it. <laughs> to, I, I do have to say, I think David Fincher, uh, having seen this and seeing how funny it was, like in this kind of 
really black-hearted comedy. He also looks so stupid with that hat. <laughs> he he makes him look stupid. Michael Fassbender was like well, he a very... He describes it. He's like, I saw a German yeah, tourist yeah, once. Like, he says, I want, essentially, <laughs> I want to look repellent. But he keeps wearing the fucking hat. Yeah. The dumbest bucket hat on the planet. <laughs> he keeps looking, and I mean, very handsome guy, right? Yeah. Fassbender, famous, famously handsome guy. It's just like the, the scene with Tilda Swinton where he just, he looks like, he looks like he could be like, like on heavy downers, right? He yes, does not reply. Yeah. It's it's a great scene because she's doing all this classic movie villain shit of trying to engage him. She's like a Bond villain, right? Yeah, yeah. Trying to get him talking, trying to get him distracted, trying to somehow get in his head. And he's just completely impervious to <laughs> all of it. He doesn't, he barely says anything in that scene. Like, I think he says two words. But even the look at his face, he just, just looks so, he just, he looks almost dumb yeah right he looks like he's dumb i do think he's, he looks he looks he's like satirizing he, mocking he's mocking this character which i loved i loved the mockery i i think a lot of his movies are funny like social network gone girl um you you look at uh i mean zodiac not so much but but like the game fight club this is a guy who sees a very perverse he has a very perverse and cynical look at the world, and he has to laugh at it. I think Curious Case of Benjamin Button is rather funny. He's almost like mocking the whole Robert Zemeckis formula with it. Like but, he's a very this is funny stuff. Yeah, but I mean, so so you know, we talk about Scorsese, and now we talk about Fincher, two great American filmmakers, and two filmmakers who are both interested in taking different slices of the sad ass men. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I guess maybe Alexander Payne is in his own way. Yeah. Like, it's just, and I mean, uh, it's a male dominated still d- directors is still a male dominated field. True. And so we get these different slices of sad American men, sad American men laid low variously by masculinity, by expectations, by, the world promising something to them that cannot be delivered. It's true. It's true. Because yeah, I do think that it's not hard. I mean, I I was reflecting as I watched the movie, how there is some masculine notion of badassery that is embodied in characters like John wick and like the Liam Neeson taken guy, which the killer is just meant to be the absolute distillation of, right? Or yes. the sort of... Yeah, or, the or, ultimate masculine. And, and then ultimately the Funhouse Mirror version of, yeah, you're just... You are completely focused on the task. You are a purpose-built machine to do this shit. That's all you can do. And when you do it, you just do it better than anyone else yeah. because you live your life... It's like being a great athlete or something, yeah. right? How, how many how many masculine dreams involve just kind of turning yourself into the perfect machine to do a given thing? Yeah. I think in that way, Fincher is almost making like a self commentary or self commentary on the uh, the impression he gives as a meticulous, fussy perfectionist as a filmmaker. Oh, so you think he's having a laugh at himself? I, I think too. he is well, having a laugh I, at I like himself. That. Yeah. I like that. I, like I think it's a deconstruction. I think it's a deconstruction of career and of uh, the characters that has, some of the characters that have been prominent in his work. Yeah, I, I've, I found this to be interestingly profound in, yeah, in was, a variety of ways. Which, which is, it is funny, right? Because when you think back to the the... The Fight Club, you know, I guess the Edward Norton Brad Pitt 
however you want to think of those two characters, right? Or one character. There's so much pathos there, yeah. right? There's yeah. so much pathos. There's so much feeling from both of them, right? Well, because they're split the, to the extremes. But, 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 yeah. they're, but they're both, but, but in a way, they're more similar than either of them are to the killer, right? Because yeah. they both are feeling things very strongly. That is true. Right? And they're feeling things in ways that are kind of causing them to... We're trying to feel. The whole beginning of the movie is trying to feel yes, something yes, and but, trying but, to feel but, this But there's something... But, but that Edward Norton, you know, him as that character conveys a lot of pathos and sadness, right? Yeah. That's a sad character. Very. Right? Yeah. And that character's sad in a... In a much more obvious and clear, and even self-aware in a way. I mean, the character starts by sort of saying, "I buy these things because I feel bad, right? Yeah, you know, and I don't want to feel bad, right? Yeah. That character displays a lot more self-awareness than the killer. The killer is is someone who is just like people. Like, what's funny is the character. Here's a, here's the way I'd put it: the characters in Fight Club are in their way, own ways sort of flirting with nihilism or maybe even pursuing nihilism. Yeah. But this character seems maybe to actually be a nihilist. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Which Absolutely. Is, which is... By profession, the, by... The person who's yeah. drawn to nihilism is ultimately one of the most emo people on the planet, <laughs> right? Because it's so... It's appealing to them, right, to solve a problem <laughs> that they're having about an excessive feeling, yes. right? Absolutely. They look at that and they think, oh, well, that's very attractive to me. I'm going to try to ape that because I feel too much. <laughs> right? Whereas this is a character who actually seems maybe to not be feeling, maybe to actually be sociopathic. Yes, sociopathic. Uh, so, Rather sociopathic than across aspiring the to sociopathy yeah. because it would be nice to not give a shit about people. This person actually seems to have maybe achieved that ideal. And so you think about, well, if that's your ideal, well, what, is, what does that amount to? Yeah. When you, I, I, when you when you really celebrate sociopathy, sociopathy yeah. right? you really celebrate saying, I'm the existential hero. I just do as I do. I am as I am. And I don't really reflect on it. And I don't really aspire to be anything but what I am. Yeah, that's it. That's what this is. And I do think it is a pointed satire to people who even flirt with the idea and uh, flirt flirt with any sort of notion that this character embodies. I I thought it was really... <laughs> Really a great piece of work. I was really thrown. I, I, I wasn't expecting much. I thought I thought it was going to be uh, tactical. I thought it was going to be uh, efficient. I thought it was going to be stylish. And it was more than that. Like that, It, it has all that. It has all that and, and a kind of uh, action. But underneath the surface and with the character, there's a lot going on. And I, th- I thought it was excellent work. Yeah, no, I, no it's, yeah. Good. it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Well, I think that's good for this week. We we'll try and keep it short today since we got trivia to get to. No, I think um, it was good. I, I I feel like we can t- we're we're tightening it up. We're tightening it up over here. We're trying. You know, I don't want to bore people. You know, no, I, I mean it's not. I don't want to drone out. People love us, but I mean it's just it's good to tighten it up. Well, I mean uh, next week we got I we got Napoleon in theaters. Coming oh, out. I, everyone's excited. Um, it's, it's the name that's on everyone li- everyone's lips. Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, and I'm gonna go. check check out at the egyptian but i won't put that on you as homework you, you if you want to wait for when it comes out on netflix later on is bradley cooper's maestro comes the leonard out bernstein at movie the, yeah, well it's funny because 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 the the sphinx is in the napoleon movie shouldn't that be at the egyptian i mean really i'm should. guessing egypt does not appear in the maestro i don't think it does I don't and think it the, does. as the husband of an egyptian which is to say a, a bit of an honorary egyptian i would say uh 
You know, shouldn't the Egyptian have movies featuring Egypt? <laughs> I mean, they really should, right? Who's got a Who's got a good print of Cleopatra? Yeah, um, I, I they probably likely will play that at the Egyptian. They've been playing some seventy millimeter prints as of late. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's good Cleopatra. But um, but Napoleon's on the radar. Uh, I hear Disney's Wish is terrible, so I don't know if I want to go see that. Oh, um, is it terrible? Is it terrible? Apparently, that's it's surprising. Real bad. That's surprising. It's, it's at fifty one percent on. That's the that's Tomatoes shocking. Group. I mean, I feel like they're usually. I feel like they're pretty dependable. I, I thought that Disney too. Studios, and, uh, it like doesn't look like a terrible idea of a like movie. I feel but, like they're pretty dependable, but apparently not. Um, but uh, Maestro Napoleon, uh, we'll we'll see what we can get done. I think those are the two that are on the radar, and we'll figure we'll figure out. Boom! Now. I love it. All right. Well, uh, ben, ben Thalen, De- Dead Reckoner Substack. And, That's right. Uh, musings and writings. Are you going to write about uh, Taiwan? I'll probably write something about my trips to Taiwan. I don't know. I, you know, I, sometimes I have something to say. Sometimes I don't. Uh, but I might write something about that. Uh, Kyle Brule, uh, he I know movies and you don't. He's putting out a lot of movie content. Get get in it. Get some. Get get, get some that. of this. Get that. He is. I offer he is, so When much. it comes to seeing movies, he is like uh, he is like the killer. He's a movie killer. He just goes in. He wakes up I, I every honestly, day. I honestly don't see as many as some other people do. He wakes uh, up really. He I, wakes up every day. <laughs> I am seeing a lot this week, though. I'm I'm playing catch up. Straps it on. I'm strapping, just, strapping it on. It's just get wearing it's that like strap movies, on. movies, <laughs> laying into them. Make love to the movies. Um, all right. Well, whatever it is, we'll we'll have a conversation next week. We'll see you then. Word.